Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan and the family. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. All right, who's excited about a Bible study today? We are. Yeah. Good morning. We're going to be starting 2 Corinthians today, and we're starting in chapter 7. So, let's get going. Verse number 1. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work towards complete holiness, because we fear God. Please open your hearts to us. We have not done wrong to anyone, nor led anyone astray, nor taken advantage of anyone. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I said before that you are in our hearts, and we live or die together with you. I have the highest confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all our troubles." When we arrived in Macedonia, there was little rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me, and how sorry you are for what happened, and how loyal you are to me. I was filled with joy. I am not sorry that I sent a severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you will not be harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So you guys understand what he's saying here? He's saying the worldly sorrow means you feel bad for doing something, but you don't really stop doing it and repent from it. But God, he wants us to actually learn from what we did and repent from it. So now Paul's also writing this because of what he sent in his last letter. You guys remember 1 Corinthians? No. Um... Yeah, the last, the last book we just read. Remember he was telling them, don't do this, don't do that. You guys are doing a bunch of bad stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why he's saying this. He's glad he sent that letter because it caused them to repent for the bad things that they were doing and to start doing the good things for God that they need to, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so let's continue. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, 
such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. My purpose then was not to write about who did the wrong and who was wronged. I wrote to you so that in the sight of God you could see for yourselves how loyal you are to us. We have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus was also proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever. When he remembers the way all of you obeyed him and welcomed him with such fear and deep respect, I am very happy now because I have complete confidence in you. Alright, next chapter, guys. These chapters are kind of short. We're breezing through this. Chapter number 8. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, your faith and your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in the generous act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course I don't mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later... They will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. But thank God, he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request, and he visited you again. In fact, 
he himself was very eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling the generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we are also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you and the brothers with him have been sent by the churches and they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that are boasting about you is justified. So guys, what can we learn about this year? Hmm, God. (laughs) God, right. We can learn that churches appoint people in positions and that we need to honor those positions and those people that are doing work for God in the kingdom. That's what he was talking about. These different brothers who have served among you, they're going to help carry the money to the offerings and bring them to the churches. And we should honor those people and we should honor people that are doing things for God. Even if you think it's the wrong thing. No. (laughs) If they're doing things that are right with God and according to his word, right? Yeah. So if we know that what they're doing is according to God's word, then we can trust them and we can help them in their mission to complete God's word, right? If someone comes along and they say, I think you guys should give me all your money so I can go buy a house for myself. Well, that's not in God's word, right? Yeah. So we're not going to help them out. But if someone says, there's hungry people over here and I'm going to get together some food and I'm going to go help them, then we should honor that person. We should help give generously and help God's kingdom. honoring them and like support them. Yeah, support them by helping them and by praying for them and giving them money. Unifying with them and being a part of it. Yeah, it's really Praying for them. But let's move on to chapter number nine. All right, this chapter is all about the collection for the Christians in Jerusalem. So what was going on is all the, the believers in Jerusalem started spreading the gospel, right guys? But after they started spreading the gospel, all the churches started getting persecuted. So the churches that came out of Jerusalem started sending back money to Jerusalem to help fund them. And this is what this chapter is going to tell us a little bit about. I really don't need to write to you about our ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure that the gift you promised is ready. 
but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgedly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provided seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for the gifts too wonderful for words. So what do you guys think that chapter is telling us? About giving. Yeah, it's talking about giving, and it's talking about the more we give to God's church, the more he blesses us with joy and with riches. It said there that he'll provide for all of our needs. That's pretty powerful, right? Right, and it says to yeah. give joyfully. Yeah, give joyfully and generously. Not and the all bigger, it said the bigger seeds that you give, the more you'll receive. So the more we give to the church and the more we give to God's kingdom, the more he blesses our life financially and spiritually. It's, so we should always be giving, right guys? Amen. That's a good scripture to read before they take offering in a church. Right. <laughs> but okay, we're on to the next chapter. Chapter number 10. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write to you from far away. Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments that's powerful guys you hear that that's the weapons that we use in god it says we do not wage war as humans do but we use god's mighty weapons not worldly weapons to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments that's good guys that's what we're supposed to be doing as christians yeah. yeah. And how, and what are, what's our main weapon? Prayer. Yes. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts 
and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. I am not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say, Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak, and his speeches are worthless. Those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as those other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves to each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How arrogant! We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you, where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Wow, that's good. You guys understand what he's talking about? Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about different people think that they're so special in religion and they try telling everybody else what to do just to get people to follow them. And he's saying what's important is that you understand that God is the one who should be leading you. So it's important that we make him happy and we don't try to please everybody around us in our religions. Well, and not to boast in ourselves, but to boast in Christ. Not look at all these things I have, but... Wow, look at the blessings God has given me. Right. But he was saying that because he was boasting about what they've done in that church. And other people were saying, oh, we did this and we did that in the church. And he's saying, that's not what's important. What's important is that what God is doing in, your, in the church is being done by right. him. And right. we got to acknowledge that. It's not about who's doing the it. They're right. not what's important. So what's important. look on the brighter side. <laughs> yeah, look on the brighter side. Focus on God being the one who's using the people, not the people who are being used. But let's move on to chapter 11, guys. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. So he's calling it foolishness because he's kind of bragging about what he's done for God. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. 
Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preached, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. So he's saying it's important that we don't let other people tell us what we should believe, right? We know what the Bible says, we know what his word says, and we we already have it buried in our hearts. So we need to hold on to that and not just go by whatever anybody comes along and tells us. Bible says study to show yourself approved and that's what we're doing we're studying to show ourselves we're going to know what the Bible says for ourselves, so nobody can waver us right because people will come along and try to teach a different Christ different message. or a different kind of spirit or a different <coughs> gospel but we already know the real Jesus and the real gospel that we already believed but I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who preach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I am not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without accepting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you, I didn't have enough to live on. I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. And I have never been a burden to you. And I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I didn't love you? God knows that I do. But I will continue doing what I've always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Again, I say, don't think that I am a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, listen to me, as you would to a foolish person, while I am also boasting a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone else enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, and takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I am talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. 
Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, endured many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray? And I do not burn with anger. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under the king Artus kept guards at the city gates to catch me, and I had to be lowered in a basket through the window in the city wall to escape from him. <laughs> Doesn't that sound cool, Saul? Mm-hmm. Would you like to be lowered in a basket through a window in a wall to get out of the city? Yeah. All because you're preaching the good news of God? It would be Amen. worth it. Yeah, it would be totally worth it. Yep. In it this life and in the next. What? And it would be a fun prison. It would be fun to ride down the basket. All right. Now we're going to move on to chapter number 12. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. You guys hear that? Yeah. He's talking about a vision that he's had where God snatched his spirit, whether it was in his body or out of his body, he don't remember, but he picked him up out of his body and took him to heaven. That's pretty cool. So let's hear what he has to say about it. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so outstanding that they could not be expressed in words. Things no human being is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I am not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so, because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it. Because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life and hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away, but each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness, and in the insults, 
hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You have made me act like a fool. You ought to be writing commendations for me. For I am not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, which I do with the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. So please forgive me for this wrong. And now I am coming to you for a third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Do you guys provide for us? No. You guys do? Yeah. You guys work jobs and give us all your money? Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I got to remember that. <laughs> but children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. That's why you guys come and ask us for money all the time, right? I think it's right. the opposite way. You still think it's the opposite, Saul? Right. Everybody's hearing you record all these lies right now. That's good, because I need <laughs> some money, Saul. So. All right, Saul, you're going to have to give me money then. Yeah. you got to fix the car. You're come acting on, out of behavior. I'm acting out of behavior so I don't get no money? Yeah. Oh, remember, that's going to go for you later. <laughs> I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. Even though it means that the more I love you, the less you love me. That's how I feel like I spend myself for you guys. I go to work and work hard so I can come home and buy you guys all you want. But you guys still love me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you. But others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I send to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and to send our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants. And with God as our witness, everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Should those things be going on in the church, guys? Absolutely not. No, we want to keep that out of the church. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because of many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasures. Wow, so here we're clearly told that we should be giving up our old sins. Not continuing in our old lifestyles, but being alive to the new life Christ has for us. And that takes being dead to sin. Amen. Yeah. So let's move on to chapter 13, guys. You ready? This is the final chapter, and we have done the entire book of 2 Corinthians. Isn't that cool? So here we go. 
This is the third time I am coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already warned those who have been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now I again warn them and all others, just as I did before, the next time I will not spare them. I will give you all the proof you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak when he deals with you. He is powerful among you. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. We pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. I hope we won't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come. Even if that makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority, for we cannot oppose the truth. We must always stand for the truth. We are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letters with these words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All of God's people here send you their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Yeah, and that's the end of it, guys. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah, another book down. We're going to keep it up until we've read the whole Bible. And I hope everybody gets to listen along with us. Because then you can say you read your Bible with us. Amen. And all you had to do was sit there and listen to me talk. (laughs) So you guys ready to pray? All right. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you, God. We thank you for this time we got to spend with you, God. We worship you, God. We want to lift you up in this world, God. The darker this world gets, the more we want to show them your light. So may this podcast be a light into people's life, that they can hear your word, they can bury it in their hearts, and they can build their life on it, God. We worship you and thank you for touching everyone's lives and being with us today. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, and until next time, may God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.